0: Friends, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10, and uh, we're looking this morning from verses 1 through to 21. I'm going to read it out for us and then explain it to us. John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them, scatters them, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In my message this morning, I have a simple goal. And the goal is to show you how this abundant life can be ours in increasing measure. The Good Shepherd has come that we may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. That word abundant has the sense of excessive, extravagant, extraordinary. So again, my goal is that this morning I'll be able to show you from God's word that the shepherd Jesus has come that you might have life abundantly, life to the full, which is excessive extraordinary life, not merely existence, not merely existence continued after death into heaven, but excessive, extraordinary life. And to do that, I want to show you how to do that. And there are various characters in this story that Jesus uses here, this figure of speech that he describes, and I want to bring out to you three of those characters, the thief, the door, and then the good shepherd. Also, this is my goal, that we hear that you, from God's Word, might have a greater sense of what it means to have this excessive Abundant, extraordinary life. It's a story told of um, Pepsi. Pepsi, back in the 1950s, was struggling to regain a market share. And the story goes that as they were thinking through their market share, they came up with this new slogan that was, Come Alive with Pepsi. And as they... Uh, began to roll this out to the various aspects of their markets around the world, they began to roll it out in China. And one dialect there in China, they started to translate it into the Chinese da- dialect, whether it was Cantonese or Mandarin, I don't know, and this is just the story. But as they translated it into this Chinese dialect, come alive with Pepsi, they began to notice that it didn't have quite the impacts they were expecting And when they asked some of the Chinese people why this was, they discovered that actually what had been translated read as follows, Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the grave. (laughs) Now, when I say to you that the Christian life, that's what we're talking about, the good shepherd shepherding us. The Christian life is actually the way to have life and life to the full. We have in our mind all sorts of translation issues. There are so many other ideas about how to have life and life to the full. A lot of them are thieves. The thief here in this passage is described in a sort of way that helps us understand what he does and how we can know who he is. This thief has a particular purpose. And he has certain characteristics. And as we have these translation issues, often what we hear is something that is quite different from what is intended. And the thief comes along and wants to steal and kill and destroy. My guess is that if you're a Christian and your life in Christ at this moment is very, very far from any kind of abundant life. Now, we all go through seasons and we we all have different temperaments and different characteristics and different tendencies, and none of us live a life as if it's always a beautiful spring morning. We always always have occasions when things seem far less than perfect. But the Christian life is not one that is bound by circumstances but has an inner power, an inner strength, an inner peace, an inner joy that even in the darkest hours, even the most difficult times can still have abundant life. My guess is that if you do not know what it is that I'm talking about, if the translation of it seems to you to come back to, you know, Pepsi will bring your ancestor back from the grave, it could be that you're listening to thieves. See, here in the context, in the passage, the thief is the Pharisees. These were the religious elite at the time. And the story right before this passage, they'd, they'd come across this man who had been healed by Jesus, and rather embracing this miraculous healing, they resisted it. And perhaps you are listening to voices like that I'm not good enough. Jesus could never forgive me. Uh, I failed. I've had a divorce. I've sinned again this week and then surely I'm going to hell. The devil loves to use voices in our lives to discourage us, to beat us down, to destroy us. That's the intention. That's what they're trying to do. We say, well, how, how do I know whether the voices I'm listening to are really actually the thief, or whether really this is actually the reality. Well, the thief has certain characteristics. The thief is unauthorized, unrecognized, and has this intention of of finally destroying you. They don't come in through the door. They come in the other way. They're, they're, They're not authorized by the author. They have a different message, in other words. This, my friends, is why it is so important that we as a church, that you as a Christian, do not run away from Bible teaching, from doctrine. What what does doctrine mean? Doctrine means what the Bible teaches us to believe. It is so important that you do not run away from doctrine because, as Charles Spurgeon said, he who is the enemy of Christian doctrine is the enemy of Christian living, The thief comes in unauthorized, not by the door, not through the truth, through another set of messages. And the sheep know his voice and we will follow Him. We have an inner intuition. John, who wrote this gospel, also wrote 1 John. In 1 John, he outlines a little bit more of this inner intuition of knowing the voice of the shepherd. He calls it there in 1 John an anointing. There is is an intuition that we sense this is from God, but that intuition, the work of the Spirit, still needs to be trained by doctrine. We need Bible teaching to, to grow us, to give us a greater sense, a greater insight as to what is true. You know, when I was um, first a father, I've now got four children, um, 17, I better get their ages right, they're not here at the 8 o'clock service because they're all 17 and under, you know, and so they come to the other services. But 17, 15, 8 and 6, I've got four children. First child I had, I was amazed by this. There the child was, just been born, And the child was um, a little disturbed. I mean, who would blame it? You've just been born. (laughs) And I said something. And I could tell immediately that this child knew who I was. He'd heard my voice. He recognized me. If you're a Christian, you have the work of the Spirit within you, and you know the voice of the shepherd. But that doesn't mean you don't need to learn and grow more, just like that child. Otherwise, you'll be listening to thieves. You'll see there's a new book on the book settle list from some publication. You say, that's the answer, and you won't have any discernment. You need, you need to have some some doctrine in order to be a void, buying into this teaching of the thieves. We're so scared by this word doctrine. We're so scared by content and information we want to experience. And I, and as I say, my, my goal this morning is that you would have this sense of how you can grow in, in life and life abundantly. But in order to have that, you need to have a framework in your mind that will sieve out, will discern out the voices of the... Of the thief. I love this story. I was walking downtown in Chicago. There was a man who was about to throw himself into the river below. He was standing on a bridge. I said to him, Stop, don't do that. He said, Well, why not? And I said, Are you a religious or an atheist? He said, uh, I'm religious. I said, I am, I am as well. I said, Are you a A Muslim, a Jew, or a Christian? He said, I'm a Christian. I said, well, I am as well. I said to him, are you a a Protestant or a Catholic? He said, I'm a Protestant. I said, I am as well. I said to him, are you a Protestant evangelical or a Protestant liberal? He said, I'm a Protestant evangelical. I said, I am too. I said, are you a Protestant evangelical Calvinist or are you a Protestant evangelical Arminian? And he said, I'm a Protestant evangelical Calvinist. I said, see, I am too. I said to him, are you a Protestant evangelical Calvinist, supralapsarianist, or are you a Protestant evangelical Calvinist, infralapsarianist? He said, I'm a Protestant evangelical Calvinist, infralapsarianist. I said, die, heretic scum. And I pushed him off the bridge. We are not talking about being ridiculously picky. We are talking about discernment as to what is biblical. And you need that if if you're to have the life abundantly, the thief. Then in this passage, there's the door. You'll see it in verse 9. I am the gate or the door whoever enters through me will be saved now my friends this is so simple it's so simple it may well offend your pride but in order for you to have this life and abundant life you need simply to go through the door that is jesus It is not more complicated than that you need to say to Jesus Jesus I believe in you I want to follow you I want to go through that door would you save me and if you do then you'll have a life that is saving satisfying fulfillment you enter through the door you go in and out and you find pasture in other words he begins to shepherd you you begin to find this life and life to the full. But you've got to go through, through the door. And it, it sounds so simple. Because it is simple. It is simple. It's almost childlike. It is childlike. You just need to go through the door. And you say, well, this is the kind of thing that people have been saying for the last 20 or 30 years, but you go back to historic Christianity. That's not the kind of thing they, they would say. Surely they had a much more mysterious sort of way of talking. I, I, I've just got to hear a couple of quotes from you from some ancient Christian leaders to give you the sense that not only is this clearly what Jesus said, this is clearly what the ancient church said as well, this simple Go through the door. Gregory of Nazianzus, who was Archbishop of Constantinople in the 4th century AD, put it like this. He is the way because he leads us through himself. He is the door who lets us in, the shepherd who makes us dwell on green pastures. It almost sounds like a Billy Graham sermon, doesn't it? Clement, theologian of the school of Alexandria in the second century AD, put it like this: In our sickness we need a savior. In our wanderings a guide. In our blindness, someone to show us the light. And he goes on like that. It's so, it's so simple. You've just got to go through the door. You don't need an MDiv in theology. You don't need a PhD in theology. You don't need to read all the books we have on the bookstore out there. You don't need to go to all the classes we have. You don't need to be involved in all the ministries we have, though we are encouraging you would be. You just need to go through the door. That's it. You say to me, well, why, you know, this is a common objection today. Why aren't there other doors? Why does it have to be through Jesus? Sometimes that seems to me a bit like someone who's standing outside a circular wall, wanting to go into the garden, the pasture inside. He's longing to get inside, and he walks all the way around this this high wall that he cannot climb over, all the way around, looking for a way into this beautiful garden inside, and there's one door, and it's open and he may go in but he goes around just longing for there to be another door why isn't there another door why isn't there another door why isn't there another door there is a door go through it you know at home we don't really have television we don't have cable and we don't have satellite we have those bunny ear things And we were talking about this uh, yesterday as a family, saying we we don't really have any channels at all. We just have one. And one of our children said, we don't just have one, we have 24 channels. And I said, yeah, but only one works. (laughs) There are a lot of different doors out there. Only one works. It's simple. It's simple. The thief, the door, the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Personal, sacrificial, missional. Right at the heart of this passage. He calls his own sheep by his name. He leads them out. He goes on ahead of them. Verse 6. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. It's personal. He knows you. It's sacrificial. Jesus emphasizes here this four times verse 11, 15, 17, and 18. He gives his life for the sheep. So, right at the heart of the Christian message is this sacrifice for the sheep, instead of the sheep. On account of the sheep. The thief sacrifices us for him. The good shepherd sacrifices himself for us. Sacrificial. We're going to be ordaining someone who's uh, grown up in the church and became a Christian here in the church and has been to seminary and is is now on the track of being a pastor. We're going to be ordaining him this afternoon. One of the things I'm going to want to say to him, which I've said over the years, over and over again, but I'm going to want to emphasize again, is this truth. The good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. That is Jesus. And we who are under shepherds, we who are under shepherds are called to give our lives for the sheep too. There's a shape, a framework of what a shepherd is. David in the Old Testament was a shepherd king. What was he like? He was the young guy when all the others were scared of Goliath. Do you remember the story? He alone would stand there and give his life for the sheep. And then later, towards the end of this gospel, Jesus teaches the same to Peter, who will become a shepherd who will have to die for the sheep. This is the framework of what it means to be a shepherd. If you're called to be a pastor, whether you're sensing your call to be a pastor, you are entering into a calling, a shape, a framework, where your life is to give your life for others. Personal, sacrificial, missional. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. The Christian church shaped by Jesus is on mission for Jesus. You know, there was a 2011 study that concluded that if 10% of the population of any particular area were passionate about almost anything, then the whole of that area will begin to believe it. We've got a lot more than 10% in Wheaton. If you enter into this abundant life, become passionate for who Christ is, it will have a huge impact on our city and region. So I began by saying that we here have a goal, that I have a goal for you, which is this morning you would have a better sense of how to enter into excessive, extraordinary life. Abundant life, life to the full. Here's how don't listen to the thieves, have a discerning framework. Go through the door, it's simple. And listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd through his word. Do you like Charlie Brown? You know the Charlie Brown cartoon? they uh, spent a long time thinking through what to do about the adults in that cartoon. In the end, they came up with that sound. Do you remember the sound they have for all the adults and the teachers in the Charlie Brown cartoon? Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Don't do that with the Bible. Not with the good shepherd. Even when he speaks something hard, and difficult he 's come to give his life for you. One tour guide of um, Israel was traveling on a bus there, and the tour guide was explaining how, in the ancient world, shepherds shepherd in a different way than they do in the modern world in the modern world, shepherds use dogs and they drive the sheep forward but in the ancient world shepherds stood in front of the sheep and and called them to follow them and they knew his voice and they followed that's how they shepherded in the ancient world and that's how they still shepherd in the middle east the tour guide was saying and as they were going in this tour bus they passed a flock of sheep and one of the tourists pointed out to the tour guide this this flock of sheep because there was a man behind the tour guide who was driving them forward and pushing them forward he wasn't leading them in front and the tourist said look it's not happening so the tour guide stopped the bus he got out of the bus he ran over to this man who was driving the sheep they had a rather animated conversation and the tour guide uh, came back got back on the bus looked out at the tourists and said this it's okay he's not the shepherd He's the butcher. (laughs) Listen to the good shepherd who's come to give his life for you. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, Jesus. We pray for the shepherds we have here, the pastors, the Bible study group leaders, the adult community teachers, the children's teachers, the elders. Would you help us to shepherd your sheep through your word, even at personal cost, Lord your goal for us is that we would have abundant life excessive extraordinary extravagant life not 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 fancy cars and materialism but inner spiritual life so that whatever we're going through lord we still have that abundance That we confess before you that very often we don't have that. We pray we would have that more. Help us not to listen to the thieves, but listen to you, the Good Shepherd. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.